Good morning, and welcome to episode 469 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the BaseballReference.com Play Index. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined as always by Sam Miller. Today we have a guest, a man who is making a heroic effort to preserve sabermetric history for, for posterity. He is Matt Denowitz. He has created the site Saber Archives, saberarchive.com. And he's here to, to tell us a little bit about why he did it and how it works. So, hi, Matt, and tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got the idea to start this site. Hey, uh, so I'm Matt Denowitz. Right now, I'm the vice president of technology at a music magazine called Pitchfork. Um, baseball has, has long been something I've loved, and it, it was only in the recent couple of years, um, maybe the last four or so, that uh, kind of got turned on to sabermetrics. And the more I started reading about it, the more I realized it's really fractured all over the internet. There's there's obviously a long and rich history. Um, significant parts of it have gone missing. Mm-hmm. And because part of my job and, and what I really like about my job is um, uh, organizing content and building um, building structures to not only maintain it, but to preserve it uh, and make it searchable and easily accessible, I thought I, I could take some of that to... Um, to the baseball world, mm-hmm. kind of saw an opening and, and went for it. Mm-hmm. And how does the site work exactly? How do you compile all these things? In what sense is it user-generated? So the site itself was built to be entirely user-driven. Uh, anyone from the community can add content. Um, it's easy to flag content that maybe needs to be cleaned up or should be removed. Maybe it's not meritorious of being archived. Um, we really leave all of that up to the community to decide. Um, adding content is often as simple as inserting a link and then filling out just the title, author, and then classifying it with a couple of topics. Mm-hmm. We also offer the ability to upload a file. We can read PDFs and make, you know, actually read the text in the PDF and make all of that searchable. We can do the same for slideshows and uh, ebooks and Word documents or, or office style application documents. Mm-hmm. And so people don't need to, to register or anything, or do they? Do they just show up and, and they can submit stuff? Using the site does not require an account. Adding content does. And that's uh-huh. just to make sure that we're not getting spam or, or trolls or bots, you know? Right. Uh-huh. And so when did it start, and, and how much activity have you seen? How, how many articles are, are in the Saber Archive? The site's been live for about three months now, and I'd say we're, we're fast coming up on about 250 articles. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say by the end of this month, we'll probably have probably closer to 300, maybe 400, depending on uh, just some more of the ingestion and how much time some of our community members have to add. But I think we're on the cusp of seeing kind of a, a bigger boom in terms yes. of backfilling the archive. The effectively wild bump. Yeah. <laughs> Here's open. Uh, now, now, one thing that's really helping us out here is that Baseball Prospectus has generously offered their archives to us in a very convenient format. Um, Don't say. No. <laughs> Surprise. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so what we're going to be working on here very shortly is importing everything and then narrowing it down to just like you know the, the most relevant uh, and, and 
broad scoping uh, mm-hmm. coverage that baseball prospectus has covered over the years um, to, to help fill out the archive. And and what's the process for that? Because, you know, I mean, we have, I, I don't know how many articles are in the BP archives, but something like, I mean, over 20,000 drafts at least. And, and in recent years, we've been tagging them, but uh, in the past we didn't. So do you have some sort of automated way to to crawl them and and figure out what the articles are about yeah under the hood um i've got a couple of tools that will help crawl and classify things so kind of a two-step process the first thing would be just classing it uh, i'm sorry classifying it and then the second step would be going over those classifications and making sure that makes sense you know not not everything with the word fip in it is going to have you know relevant research about fip Mm-hmm. So just just a quick gut check. Um, everything that's tagged should be very easily digestible. Everything that's not is just going to take a little more manual labor. Is there uh, is there like a uh, kind of an, an origin story, like a moment where you were trying to find something and you you thought this darn internet just can't help me, or <laughs> or what? Yeah, I was I was looking for park factors, and I had read a few sources that had referenced. Um, I think it's. Patriots Park Factor piece, which lives on Tripod, which when I finally found the link after like three days of Googling and asking around mm-hmm. on a couple forums, um, I got to it and I was thinking like, my God, this is on Tripod. <laughs> uh, and, and at that time, I think GeoCities was either under the process of shutting down again or being revived kind of ironically. Um, so that's, that's when the light bulb went on of like, Maybe not I should build an archive, but like, my God, there's got to be a better way to do this. Around that time, Fangrass's library was was also um, kind of coming into its own. And I know Baseball Perspectives had some some great resources. Uh, baseball Reference was also, um, it, that's, that's always been a, a pretty well-organized resource. But um, yeah, that's that, that would probably be the, the light bulb moment. Yeah, so I, I assume I'm not alone in this. But I assume anybody who's ever written about baseball has has tried to sort of create his own library on his computer, uh, you know, via some sort of complex system of bookmarks or or some document or something, and it goes nowhere because uh, of a couple of issues. One is that it's it, it turns out to be a lot harder to index things than you're expecting. Things cross categories a lot of times, and and you're you're constantly trying to decide, well, is this similar enough to this one to to lump them together in the same category? The other is that. The format of useful sabermetric uh, data, I guess, comes in, in uh, it, it's inconsistent. I'll, I'll, we mostly think of, of articles, of blog posts. Uh, as you mentioned, sometimes it, it's in a book. But, but a lot of times what it'll be is like it'll be comment 48 on a Tom Tango post. And right. it's hard to figure out, well, how do I, where do I index that? And, <laughs> and what, do I do about, what, do, what do I do about comment 47 now? And so, so I wonder, like, have you, have you sort of been um, bumping up against these problems and, and discovered any, like, great, great, like, uh, index hacks? It's a great question. Um, the closest I would say, uh, or the easiest thing to, to point to, would be that um, documents that are, like, part one of six tend to get a little fractured. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I'd love to work on in the near future would be a way to link documents that are intrinsically linked either by uh, being the same, maybe documents split up over a few different days linked back together, or also um, like a research document that cites other documents that are in the archive. So that's that's definitely a shortcoming right now, and mm-hmm. you're, you're totally right about that. Uh, and has you mentioned the, the Patriot piece, has there been anything else that you've sort of unearthed 
from the bowels of the internet? Anything particularly old or obscure that someone has submitted that you've noticed? No, I would say one thing that comes to mind, though, would be the absolute volume, just enormous volume of pitch effects research that's out there uh -huh. relative to just the kind of general questions I still see around the web of how pitch effects works. Mm -hmm. It seems like tutorials from 101 to you know 501 and up have been written several times over and just nothing nothing stuck I guess. Mm -hmm. So looking at this site right now the latest addition to the archive is an article by Alan Nathan that I put up at BP about 15 minutes ago or so. Um, <laughs> and then great. the second most recent edition is an article that, that I wrote earlier today. Does that mean that, that those have been submitted by someone already? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. The internet is, is good on top of wow. things. <laughs> they, wait, wait. They were submitted by somebody? They were. This was not you in preparation of this? <laughs> no, I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, so wait, hang on though. The one, like for instance, Ben's article is about moving the mound uh, and whether moving the mound um, back could could uh, fix the strikeout scourge, uh, so called. And that's one of the categories for this is mound configuration. It is indexed under mound configuration. And there are other articles about mound configuration. Like what what made you like like at what point do you because because I would imagine that like maybe the first time you had a mound configuration article, well, that's not a category yet. So you wouldn't think to, to necessarily invent a category. So what happens when, um, <laughs> like, you have a category that comes up, you know, every so often, but not that often. So what, uh, so what happens when you, uh, it, it must be hard to, when you're reading these things and you're sort of building categories as you go to figure out what is likely to show up. Because if, if for instance, you hadn't previously established the mound configuration category, Ben's article probably wouldn't have gotten a mound configuration tag on it, right? Right. Like you have to know it's a category in advance. Yeah. When the site launched, we had a taxonomy of about 250 terps, all in a, in a pretty nice hierarchy under four topics, fielding, offense, pitching, and general sabermetrics. Um, that's grown. We, I mean, we probably have about 310 or so now. Uh, it's, it's definitely kind of as as new content is added, things we didn't think of pop up, or maybe we need to split one topic into two. I mean, mound configuration could easily easily be mound height, uh, mound distance, things like that. We could easily add like pitch distance, something like that. Um, as, as it comes up, the community has been great about suggesting things. I'll add it. It's okay if there's one tag that has maybe one document under it. Ideally, it'll grow out. Maybe it won't. And do you happen to know what the the hottest categories are or the most heavily populated categories pitcher injuries and pitch effects uh-huh well that makes sense <laughs> i i i actually i literally looked at the pitcher injuries uh category today for unrelated to this i i i had to i had to look i had to see it it was it was useful <laughs> to me in research so it is actually awesome. uh, mm -hmm. useful so the larger question be you know before this site came about, as you mentioned, everything was in different places. It was this very homebrew sort of arrangement and, and still sort of is where, you know, someone someone who's been part of the sabermetric community for a long time will remember some article that someone wrote a decade ago and will bring it up and then everyone will rediscover it. And it ends up being the case that there's a lot of work that's redone. You know, I've I've written things and then found out that someone wrote about the exact same topic 
10 years ago and and <laughs> I've written things that someone else has subsequently written about again. So is that uh, a bug or a feature, do you think? I think it's a feature. I think one reason that we try and expose the original publication date is to show that this a research might be old, and b there really is a chronology of you know of, of this, even an evolution in, in every topic. You know, pitcher injuries totally weren't understood thirty years ago, or understood differently ten years ago. So the research from maybe two thousand might show something different than what the research from twenty ten might show. Mm -hmm. And, and we're, we're we're keen on exposing that like uh, that history. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because you can make the case that um, when we're all duplicating each other's work, which happens a lot, I, I think. I think we've all we've all had that sort of awful feeling of realize we just published a story that had been done somewhere else, like you know, six days earlier, and and we duplicated it. On the one hand, well, that's a that's a waste of resources. On the other, though, we get different results. There's different ways of approaching the questions. There's there's sort of you could almost imagine if if there was going to be. I mean, the upside to this is obviously that we can build on each other's work be more efficient and and be well informed if there was a downside it might be that that there would be uh, less duplication because we could easily go find out that the article that we were uh, about to duplicate has already been done and then we might not accidentally find something else i don't know maybe it's not a problem good that'd be great yeah i mean it's sort of a, a peer review process in a way yeah. even if it's unwitting uh <laughs> duplicating the research and Maybe someone who did it originally had an error in the code somewhere that was never caught and everyone just accepted the results and that's happened. And so there's there's some value to, to redoing it. And plus, I guess it's a way to learn if you're someone who's just picking up database skills or learning how to query, then even if you're going over the same ground, maybe that's a, a foundation that can help you in, in future research. So what I'm saying is you're killing innovation here with Saber oh, Archive. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> None of us will question any of this research that's in here, and we'll never, we'll never check it again because now it's in the archive. What have you done? <laughs> you can flag it as inaccurate, or maybe we should add a flag for uh, is too competitive. <laughs> uh, so are you looking for any help in addition to user submissions? Do you need volunteers to process those submissions or to go through them in, in any in any way? Yeah, I mean, really where we could use the help is is uh, filling up the archive, but at a certain point we're going to need people to help go over um, certain documents and make sure that they're properly classified. Right now we're really relying on the accuracy of the submission on the first time, so having somebody reviewing each submission might be really nice. Could be, I mean, that it, it would be very helpful. Um, Additionally, we've got a couple of new features uh, in the hopper right now that could definitely use some some other eyeballs on them. One of them being creating bundles of documents, so that if you want to create a bundle of like PitchFX expert research versus PitchFX maybe introductions, uh, that could be good. Or if you want to create a document on maybe start to bottom or, or start to finish building your own wire, you could do that. And the, the other feature is um, implementing OCR so that people who have older documents, and this is where like review would really come in handy. Uh, people who have older documents, maybe newspaper articles from the 50s or something, or uh, even research papers, could upload them. We would scan them, use OCR to decipher the text, and then present them in a format that could be reviewed and then published if accurate. That would be amazing, just so you know. 
<laughs> that was good to hear. <laughs> um, so when you, I mean, if you, if if you take this to to sort of its conclusion, I mean, there have probably been, oh, I don't know, two thousand articles written that might be categorized uh, as FIP, for instance, mm-hmm. and it's not that useful to have a list of two thousand articles. They might all be good enough to qualify for you know your standards for for posting them. There might be nothing wrong with them. They might all contribute a little something to the discussion. They might yeah, all sure. merit archiving. But 2,000 articles is is not that helpful. So um, so do you envision basically these 2,000 articles somehow being um, you know ranked in a way that um, that you know the the most crucial ones uh, you know through through sort of user rate ranking somehow maybe or or however you would want to do it the the most crucial ones would be a little bit easier to find in the in the haystack and and then if so what what would you say would be the um, the standard by which we would judge these things is it what comes first is it what is most linked is it what is like uh, written by the most prominent writer is it what has the uh, most colors in the chart sure um, I mean I, I would assume if you're looking at FIP one of the first things you'd want to see depending on your approach uh, would be some of the initial dips work by Boros mm-hmm. um, but if you're a FIP expert looking for some pretty granular data that's going to yeah, that's, that's not what you're looking for. Um, right now what we have for voting is a way to indicate the best of content. It's it's not um, not a voting system like you'd see on Reddit. It's either best of or it's not. That's a good way right now, while the archive is small, to highlight the most critical pieces. Um, as for the problem of 2,000 articles about FIP, what I would love to see, and this would again call on the community to help out, would be Ending with the FIP tag also having five other tags that really describe more about the article. If it's purely about FIP, then it shouldn't have any other tags, and we can start to look at what other more granular tags it has. And the more granular it gets, we can maybe take points away from its ranking in FIP overall. Um, so if something's tagged FIP but is also tagged um, you know, pitch types and pitch velocity, you know, maybe it's not so much about FIP unless it's a correlation between the two. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a best of area on the site with little little trophy icons. Is that something that that you are doing now, or is that uh, something that the community has has produced somehow? That is community produced. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's by by visits or by votes or. If you're looking at an article, uh, so I'm going to bring up the analyzing path part two. So in the document tools module on the right. The first item is a button that says vote best of. If I click that, that's going to put in a vote that says, I think this is one of the best pieces of research in Sabre Archive. Mm. If right now three people do that, it's going to filter on up. Um, Three is an arbitrary number. As the archive grows or as the user base grows, we'll obviously raise that. And there's a pretty pretty powerful search tool. It looks like you can search by author. Uh, you can search by whether it's best of or not. You can search by year. Uh, so if you're looking for something from a particular person or particular time frame, it will be, I guess, easy to do that even as the archive grows. Um, and you are starting a newsletter, I think, right? How, did, how will that work? Correct. Yeah, so every week, probably Thursday or Friday, uh, we're just going to send a newsletter out that has links to articles added this week, as well as maybe two, you know, one or two just like called out, maybe most prominent articles. So right now everyone's talking about uh, Cespedes' throw, so we'll right. probably you know call that out. 
especially this physics piece about it because that's it's just fantastic. That was a really great piece. Mm -hmm. um, so that might be highlighted. We'll have some other stuff from around the archive, maybe a couple of random articles. Should be a good way, though, for everyone to stay updated, especially as the archive, uh, the volume of submissions starts to grow, the frequency starts to grow as well. Maybe it's harder than looking at the homepage, something to sum it up nicely. All right, so I want to ask you one thing that's not about baseball. You're the vice president of technology at, at Pitchfork. Uh, ben, ben Lindbergh, who's the other person you're talking to before, uh, uh -huh. he, he still listens to Astro Lounge, the Smash Mouth album <laughs> from 1999, I want to say. And I just wanted to get your sort of assessment of, of how Smash Mouth has, has aged. Is it actually is it more embarrassing to listen to Smash Mouth now, or, or is it actually oh, less embarrassing? Uh... <laughs> So right now it's very on vogue to reunite the band and play your most popular album at, at the big music festivals. I don't think Smash Mouth's going to receive too many invitations for that. <laughs> Smash Mouth is touring with Third Eye Blind. Oh man, so the, the, the band never broke up. Uh, not, not really, no. There is <laughs> they, they, constant they demand. Well, the, the, apparently the, uh, the, the genius, most people think of Smash Mouth and they think of Steve Harwell, the singer, the, the Guy Fieri guy. Uh, yeah look-alike guy, but in fact, uh, the, the genius, apparently, of the band was, was not Steve Harwell. It was, uh, I, I think his name is like uh, something Camp or something like that. Greg, Greg Camp. And he, uh, he wrote all the songs, the genius. I'm doing air quotes. I've been doing air quotes. Like, I've been practicing air quotes for the last two hours in anticipation of saying the genius of Smash Mouth. So I am doing Smash Mouth genius air quotes. But he, I think he left, and I think he recently reunited with the band. If I if that, I understand correctly, has, has that phrase ever been said before? The genius of Smash Mouth. The, ge the genius behind Smash Mouth. Oh Let's man! Let's check. Hang on, hang on. All genius right. behind Smash Mouth. It's gonna be SmashMouthArchive.com, uh, right? Results. Uh, no results with it in quotation marks. We could try other other uh, you know iterations of those words, but uh, it doesn't it doesn't appear that it's ever been. Said. Sadly, Astro Lounge predated Pitchfork, I guess, so there's no, no review. If you need a retroactive review, let me know. Oh, um, if that was out in 99, we were definitely around. Hmm. Maybe I'm not <laughs> looking in the right place. We might not have reviewed it. Sorry. Uh -huh. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Smash Mouth album? We've gone over this on the, on the show before, but what's, what's no. your favorite? <laughs> Do you have yeah. their Christmas covers album by chance? I don't. I didn't even know they did one. Of course not. <laughs> Why would you? All right. Well, uh, thank you for, for starting the Saber Archive, for building it. It's a very, very smooth, snappy-looking site, and we encourage everyone to contribute to it so that we can keep track of all the good research out there and, and not uh, redo it if we don't have to, if we can't improve upon it. Um, and you can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Denowitz. That's two N's. You can also follow the Saber Archive on Twitter at Saber Archive. And again, the website is saberarchive.com. That's with the E-R, S-A-B-E-R, archive.com. Uh, so thank you, Matt. Thank you, guys. All right. Please support our sponsor, Baseball Reference Play Index. Go to baseballreference.com. Subscribe to the Play Index using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. We will be back with another show tomorrow. 
Sorry, I'm an empty vessel when it comes to Smash Mouth. Yeah, we've been Ben and I have been knee deep in Smash Mouth uh, memeology lately. Smash Mouth has has really tipped into meme territory. I, I would say there's this really? ironic Smash Mouth uh, revival, um, like lots of Smash Mouth mashups, Smash uh, Smash Mouth interview at Vice, and Smash Mouth Buzzfeed are uh, remembrances, and so we've had lots of Smash Mouth to discuss. <laughs> kind of looks like the guy from uh, Insane Clown Posse too. He they've all got the same right. hair and like thick faces. Yeah, that's a good point. Geniuses look alike. 